Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? What you gonna do with a cup for you bad boys? And let's hear it for those bad boys here on Let's Hear It For The Boys. I'm Alex. I'm Justin Groovin to the Zalbin Tunes. (laughs) I'm Pete. And we're gonna be talking about the penultimate episode of season two, Butcher Baker, Candlestick Maker. Finally got around to it. We've met Butcher. This episode, we finally meet Baker. We finally meet Candlestick Maker. Uh, They give a dog a bone. I don't remember how the rest of that goes. Pretty good. You're the nursery rhyme king. Not only bad boys, uh, but also the nursery rhyme jive. Yeah. Every night when I put my kids to bed, I always look them in their eyes. I stroke the side of their cheek and say, bad boys, bad boy, what you gonna do? What you gonna do? Yeah. Pete, you don't like that? No. What are, What are you trying to instill in your children that if they're bad, you'll find them and, uh, you know, make them face the law? Uh, no, a love of the recently canceled show Cops. That's what I'm trying to instill oh. upon them. Yeah. <laughs> it was Alex canceled, was a, right? This is Alex not was the, the line. He was the line producer for 56 seasons of Cops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We showed so all of them in two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> kept just reusing that footage. Absolutely. Well, uh, weird discussions out of the way. Uh, let's uh, go into <laughs> this episode as usual. Spoiler warning, because we're going to jump right into it, give a broad overview of what went on on this episode, and then talk about the big moments. And oh man, there were some big, gory, yep. bloody, gross moments oh. in this episode. If you this thought, had to be a devastating episode for one Pila Page. Yeah. It w- it was really gross and a lot of fun, and um, uh, I don't know why you say devastating. There were some beautiful moments. Well, Ooh. There's one very particular character that I know that you like who is not doing so hot. Yeah, that uh, was hysterical, but also heartbreaking. Mm, interesting. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, so, the All the joys are ha- no joke. The bo- they are no joke. They're the most serious of the candy bars. When yeah. somebody hands you an Almond Joy on Halloween, you Run. say, thank you for your support in return. Yeah. As seriously Almond as possible. Almond Joy's got nuts. Mounds. <laughs> uh, well, I'm not sure. Well, maybe we'll find out by the end of the episode what uh, Mounds yeah, big got. Big spoiler. But uh, Lamplighter... A.K.A. Sean Ashmore is now in the custody of the boys. They want him to testify on their behalf, working with Congresswoman Victoria Newman uh, in order to expose Vaught and everything that's been going on there with Compound V. Um, Over the course of the episode, Starlight gets captured by Black Noir, thrown in a dungeon is probably too strong a word, but definitely like a not very well lighted cell. So she's not be able to use her powers in Vaught tower. Uh, Huey finds out about it. She's revealed as a traitor. He takes lamplighter goes to save her lamplighter self immolates 
in front of where his statue used to be, which leads to a series of events, including Huey chopping off his hand, rescuing Starlight's mom, uh, Starlight getting into a huge fight with Black Noir in the tower, destroying the conference room until Maeve comes to her rescue. Shockingly enough, stuffs, as we hinted at before, an almond joy in his mouth. Turns out Black Noir has a nut allergy. Um, yeah, it's one weakness. Uh, brave Maeve, brave Maeve for the save. Yeah, ooh, ooh very good. Uh, and Maeve brave ultimately Maeve decides sho- not to go along. Uh, not to. Oh, okay, Pete. Come on, gross, <laughs> gross, Pete. This, this we'll is a nice, you. clean show. All right, about the boys, the cleanest show on television. So you calm down. Right. So they Maeve decides not to go with Starlight, uh, but Starlight does go off with the boys. They all escape. Uh, and in the meantime, both Mallory and then Butcher are working on Vogelbaum, the scientist slash uh, Vought CSO who raised Homelander. Um, we met him last season. Uh, surprising. I thought he was dead. Turns out he's not. Yeah. Uh, certainly seemed the implication last season with the Homelander killed him, but uh, he's very much alive, or at least was <laughs> until the end of the episode when they convince him uh, very much against his will to a spoiler. What are you talking about? This is all spoilers. They watch the episode. The, he comes to testify. And as he's about to testify, basically everybody's head starts exploding a la Rainer. Uh, back in, I want to say episode one, right? The end yeah, of episode one. Uh, mm-hmm. So we get that thing again. It's horrifying. It happens on national television. It's a big deal, and nobody knows what to do then. A couple of other things to mention as we're going along. There's the A-Train Deep storyline. They are getting in deeper with the Church of the Collective. Oh, uh, did you see what he did Eagle. there? Yeah, Come on. yeah, it was very subtle. Thank you for catching on to it. The yeah. Eagle, the yeah. Archer is kicked out of Church of Collective uh, for very sketchy regions. Um, meanwhile, racist. Deep and uh, A Train, it sounds like they're going to get back into the seven, possibly as soon as next episode. Thanks to Alistair, the leader of the Church of the Collective. Uh, so that's pretty cool for them. Maeve, as we mentioned, is going through some stuff of her own when Elena leaves her. Yeah, we uh, it's very harrowing. We'll come back to that. We'll talk more about that. Uh, and the big plot line of the episode, of course, is that Butcher, we meet even more members of his family. We meet his parents, specifically his mom calls, says his dad is dead. Wait. Turns out his dad is not dead. Not only is he not dead, he's the opposite of dead, which is John Noble. Yes, Pete. Yes. <laughs> so when he went to his old house, I thought that was his mom. It was his aunt or somebody else. Yeah, that, that was, was his aunt. Aunt, aunt yeah. Taffy. His aunt. Okay, all right. Yeah, an aunt is a mom or dad's sister. Yeah, oh, it's like no, a mom. Or, it's like a I'm mom aware. or dad. It's, it's like just, a mom or dad, but just a, a further step away. It was just when, in my mind, I was like, oh, that lady was so much fun before. And then he was like, mom. Mm. And in my head, I was like, that must have been her mom, but no. You know what I always say? Up here, they all look like aunts. Oh, wow. Right? Wow. There's yeah. a Bugs Life reference. It's, you know, I don't I thought know it was like that. a Hitler reference or something with that oh accent God, you were no. putting it on there. I was thinking it was some sort of Indiana Jones. Like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, no ticket. No, no. Yeah. Uh, In any case, uh, what were we talking about? Yes, we we uh, named the dog. Uh, Dad is dying, but not quite dead yet. He is a total asshole. Uh, We find out what happened to Lenny Butcher's brother. According to his dad, at least, it's his fault. 
that Lenny died because he left him. Um, and uh, the mom ultimately reconciles a lot of mom reconciliation going on in this episode with Butcher um, in a very nice, sweet scene. Uh, and the last thing we should probably mention is that Homelander takes Stormfront to meet Ryan, which creates some serious tension with Becca. Ryan finds out he's been living in a sea. I don't know what you would call it. Um, uh, Safe not house. actual. Yeah, safe house. Sure, there you go. Uh, yeah. Safe house his entire life. Uh, everything has been a lie. And they head off, presumably, to go party at Vaultland and ride the Homelander roller coaster. Uh, it's also very harrowing. Let's jump to the beginning of the episode, though, because there is a horrifying oh montage that opens this. This montage. Oh, man. Getting up at 7.30. <laughs> wow. Pete. I think he maybe missed a little bit of the point, but I oh, see. Man. No, the you shouldn't that... get up too early. That's the point of this. You know, if you get so up too early, early and listen to like Alex Ross or some kind of crazy radio stuff, or Alex maybe Jones. some podcasts with three people, <laughs> I mean, it's just going <laughs> to rot your brain. Yeah, me, wow. me too. I I never wake up at a reasonable time and listen to one of the most famous comic book artists talk on the radio. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't do that. Pete LePage radicalized by his alarm clock. Goes out and ruins his life. Uh, this is harrowing, but great. Uh, I thought it was, was such an interesting way of starting the episode and so, so precise to our current moment. I mean, I know they filmed this obviously months, if not like maybe a year ago at this point. I don't know, Justin, if you know the timeline of that, but yeah, it's that. I mean, I don't know exactly, but like that long ago is correct. Yeah, but so current, just the idea of. Being radicalized by constantly hitting these images. The th one, the part that hit me really hard was him being up at 3 a.m. still doom scrolling and looking through all these feeds and memes and shouting and screaming about soup terrorists. Like, that's where we are right now. And obviously what he ultimately does is unforgivable, but you see how he gets there. Well, and what I love about this, it's so intense. It's so it feels so real. It's so dark. Um, and it doesn't really relate to anything particularly happening in the show at this moment, but it just speaks to the overall theme of this season and sort of why why things are the way they are and how terrifying it is. And to be able to give us that sort of touchstone to our actual lives is scary and super affecting, I thought. Well, there's also the line, it, it ties in later at the rally that Stormfront and Homelander are holding, which is even more scripted than their usual rallies, I would say. Yeah. Uh, the way that they're kind of almost doing this duo comedy routine back and forth. But Stormfront very specifically says, we in no way condone the shooting of the convenience store uh, worker. We're going to put some money in an account uh, to create a scholarship or whatever she says about that. But... It's one of those things where you're watching it, you know she is virulently racist and does not support that at all. And you read that and it's hard not to read a coded message in there. Like, of course we don't condone this, is almost said with a very slight wink in the delivery as yeah. if telling other people, yeah, go out and do this. Yeah, and it, that is – I mean, I don't – there's another take on this, not to just touch on a little, like politics for a second, like – well, in our world, we've we've even moved past this a little bit, like the way that that kid who uh, shot those people, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, like and the, it's more even overt than the way that they're behaving in this rally. Like that 
uh, he's Kyle Rittenhouse has been welcomed by certain factions um, in our country right now. And like that is one step beyond the satire that they're doing here. Uh, so that to me is this as intense and dark yeah. as this is. We in our country are in some ways beyond this. As a I mean, you're right. Point. It didn't. I might be misremembering, but didn't Trump be like, great? Yes. And um, he his mother was speaking at a GOP rally or she was given a standing ovation uh, earlier this week. Like it's uh, it's crazy how I mean, we've talked about this to get back to the show. We've talked about this a lot, how this show feels so current and it was made like a year ago. And it's crazy that they were out sort of able to fictionalize things that were sort of brewing at that time in our country. And then it, we stayed on that path and the show was created on that same path. And it feels like this show is even more important because of that. Yeah. It's funny. You're saying, I mean, not, funny is the wrong word, but it's interesting. You're saying that because based on what you're saying, the boys is almost restrained in a way. Like it's not, it's not the real world. It's actually like, Oh, what a quaint. You remember a couple of months ago when people would pretend they weren't happy about somebody going and shooting somebody at a convenience store. Wasn't that nice? That was yeah, nice. I mean, it, there is truth to that. And even again on the show, like another show would have, cause the reason the, the plot reason to have this scene um, is to give Homelander and Stormfront the um, reason to have this um, conference. Another show would have just shown the shooting. With this, we get to be in the guy's shoes as he wakes up and becomes radicalized. And I thought that was just such a, uh, again, scary way to take it back and put us uh, and to follow his path to get to the point where he becomes this tool of Stormfront to uh, affect more change and gain more power. Well, it also ties into a lot of other parts of the episode. I mean, the thing that I'm thinking of immediately is there's that ridiculous but very accurate conversation that Lamplighter and Huey have when they're watching porn movies talking about who's the cuck, who's the guy fucking the guy's wife, uh, and who's the cuck fluffer. And yeah. that's a very like raunchy boy's way of putting it. But that's exactly what that guy is going through, right? Like he's talking about the same things that Huey is talking about on a very different, probably very incorrect level. Lamplighter is talking about as well, where he's doing nothing with his life. He's doing the same thing every single day, going to the same place, waking up at the same time, doing the same thing. Uh, and it just it drags at him. It breaks him in a certain way. Again, doesn't excuse the behavior, but it explains it. Yeah, I mean, don't let your alarm clock rule your life. You know what I mean? Like, come on, like mix it up a little bit, you know, maybe get up early, go for a walk. You got to do things so it's not, not so monotonous. You know what I mean? Did you have to get up early today or something, Pete? You have a real axe to grind against your uh, your alarm clock. No, I'm just saying, like, you know, it can get monotonous. You know, don't. And I, I picture you having one of those big cartoon, like, uh, Acme alarm clocks. That sits up and like shakes and jumps when it goes off. Is that like, you hit it with <laughs> yeah. a hammer? Yeah, I hit it with a giant sledgehammer. Yeah, that's how I start my day. Yeah. Oh, nice. I, uh, in all honesty, I haven't used an alarm clock in months at this point. Oh, uh, I, humble brag a little bit over no, here. I'm Holy with you. shit. Well, here's the thing. Having children is a biological <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, they wake you up when it's time. Yes. Yeah. Turns out they need to eat at a certain point. Which is why weird. though? Why do they need to eat it? Like I don't 7 know. They still haven't explained this. Yeah, I keep I keep holding them down, lovingly stroking their cheeks, singing bad oh boys God. to them, and then being like, <laughs> "Now, why do you need to eat?" Yeah, uh, I'm starting to think maybe your kids are just scared. Yeah, because <laughs> you yeah, keep stroking that. their cheek as you keep <laughs> saying, you keep lightly stroking their cheek. 
Worst uh, I do ever. it with the back of my head, Bane style, and I say, yeah, oh, does it feel like you're in charge? Oh, my oh, God. Uh, Bugs Life. Yeah, Bugs Life. That's what it was. Ah, uh, great. Yes. Another great <laughs> impression. Up here, they all look like eggs. Oh, my God. Those are sort of the same movie. They are. When you think about it. Yeah. But anyway, we should get back to the boys, I think, since we've talked through just the first scene of the episode. Yes. Uh, where where should we start with? I mean, maybe we can keep talking about the Stormfront Homelander stuff since we touched on that. Because, man, those scenes with Becca and Ryan are so tough to watch. And I went through so many emotions. We've talked about this a lot on the podcast, but just... There are moments here where I think you actually, for the first time, get real humanity from Homelander. But then by the end of the episode, it's hard to parse whether that was actual emotion or he was faking. Uh, What's your guys' take on it? Yeah, it's interesting because I do think it's meant to be real. Um, Later, we hear that um, Homelander was sweet when he was like five and six uh, from Vogelbaum. So I do think... We're trying to say here, like, oh, there's an earnestness underneath that or this, like, innocence that is just perverted by the fact that he had no one taking care of him for his entire life. And you see Stormfront well, coming in and twisting him and, as well as the situation. It, he was very clear that he, he was a sweet kid until he went to work on him. Yeah. So he took that sweetness from him. Um, he took the candy from the baby, so to speak. Yeah, and it's kind of like Homelander taking away this protected life that this kid could have. And there was some, I, I, there was, yeah, I was one of those things where when Becca is like, please, I am begging you, you know, let this kid be here with me. Um, there's a moment where you think he might actually be okay with that. Um, but then they come and basically steal the kid. And overall, it feels like uh, connecting this with Butcher meeting his dad is like bad dads are bad for boys, like bad boys. <laughs> bad dads yeah, and what bad are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? <laughs> I don't know. I just hope they don't, you know, like come for me. Yeah, that's uh, it. Uh, let, let me throw two things out at you, though, about the storyline, just based on what you were saying, Pete. One, in the scene with Becca... We have really seen her grow so much in her relationship with Homelander. Again, wrong word to use there, relationship, but the way that she relates to him. The way that she deals with him or like tries to work around him. The idea that she could be like, come outside right now, and he says, okay, is fascinating. It's amazing that she's been able to get to that place of strength and really rework the relationship. And I do think that points to without, you know, excusing anything that Homelander has done in his past, I think that does point to a humanity under the sociopathic layers there, that he needs this family bond. He understands that he needs Becca for that, but not necessarily in a calculated way, but actually an emotional way. And also he needs a mother. In a certain way, Becca is his mother as well as Ryan's mother, or at least the way that he relates to her was what I took away from that. And then the second thing that I wanted to mention, just and then I'll get back to you guys instead of monologuing, but the, uh, I think we don't get to see this, but my impression is it's Stormfront who ultimately twists it around oh, and makes, yeah. yeah. reveals the truth to Ryan, whether it's Homelander telling him or not, but there's that very specific line uh, that I forgot to write down, of course, but where Stormfront, Becca's like, she, Ryan needs a mother, and Stormfront's like, he'll ha- always have a mother. Yeah. Clearly indicating I'm going to steal your child. Yeah. Stormfront's uh, the new mommy. 
Exactly. Yeah, because she takes a moment and is like, look, a random baby. And then Homelander's like, oh, you're into kids? Ugh, check this out. I, I totally I have got a kid. one. I got, I got one, one stashed away, you know, if you want to, like, break out of its jail or whatever. <laughs> That'd be cool with you. Uh, cribs, in a sense, are kind of a baby jail. Oh, Alex. Fun fact. You're really, really talking, getting into your parenting style a lot in today's episode. <laughs> well, I'd like to reveal myself on this podcast. Well, son, off to baby jail. I mean, bedtime, crib. <laughs> crib. Totally Is it cool. weird? My, my daughter's 10, but she's still sleeping in a crib. Is that strange? No, not at all. And she takes a little, when she's ready to get up, she takes a little tin cup and just runs it along yeah. the bars. Yeah. Plays our harmonica for quarters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you uh, still make them wear... What? Uh, do you still make them wear those striped pajamas with their numbers on them? Oh, now this is getting real dark. <laughs> but <laughs> no, <yes>. he's. <laughs> um, I do think so. Uh, to your point about Homelander being sort of uh, having this, like being this lost boy, basically. Yeah. Um, and he's being taken advantage of by Stormfront, who wants. She's already taken him, given him what he wanted so that she can control him. And then Ryan is in even another opportunity for her to control this ubermensch, this uh, sort of the Nazi uh, ideal man that will just give her power, which is sort of, it seems like, been her dream uh, throughout ever since she was working for or married to Vought back in the day. Um, And she's getting she's so close to succeeding. And all she has to do is keep pushing Homelander down this path. And he's he's just going for it. Also, it's this this thing of like she's trying to get um, V in you know to a place where you can inject him in people in that weird site that she had, um, but now here is a person who is like the first natural born hero, and like she kind of made a big deal out of that, and um, so it seems like this is kind of like her dream scenario, you know. Uh, so this is like playing into exactly what she wants. And if she's got to take a kid on a roller coaster a couple of times, then she's willing to do that. You know what I mean? I mean, we don't get actual clarity or at least stated out loud clarity of what's going on at Sage Grove and what the plan is. There's a little bit on that in this episode, but it gets kind of pushed away. But I do think Stormfront gives up what the ultimate plan is. During her speech at that rally where she says we need more soups and as usual, she is drumming up the populace. She is using anger. She's using fear, all of these things to get what she needs and what ultimately she wants. And if they're taking if they're taking like compound V from this negative for Vought into some sort of positive, them figuring out a way to create their own soups and create an army of soups, obviously is a net positive for Vought, but it's also potentially a net positive for her. Like it's legitimately creating an army of Aryan supermen, like actual supermen. And I, I would guess that's what she wants to do. Right. I agree. But I do think what the, the stuff we're talking about with Homelander um, you know, having these mommy issues, like having no real control of uh, his rage because he never was uh, loved. Like that's their mistake. That's always the mistake here where it's like, oh, well, just you just need more power. It's like, well, you don't understand that you can't control these people because you will break them if you push them too hard or they will rebel or something. And I feel like that's what is going to end up twisting and becoming their downfall. I do want to, before we move on from this plot line, I do want to ask one question. Ryan was wearing Homelander colors 
Like he was mm-hmm. wearing the same, his shirt, his pants, the way that he was dressed was the same sort of thing. What do you think's going on here? Was that just sort of a subtle indicator that he's moving over to yeah, Homelander's team, side? Team Homelander, yeah. Okay. A hint, yeah. A little outfit foreshadowing. Also, red and blue are just strong choices to go, mm-hmm. you know, to get your day going. Yeah. All oh, right, wow. There we go. I'm, I'm technically wearing Homelander colors, but that doesn't mean I'm... It seems like you are. It seems like you are there, yeah. I I guess the American flag cape is a pretty strong indicator. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about Butcher and his family stuff. What did you guys think about this? Did you like learning more about Butcher's backstory? Yeah, it was really interesting, that whole kind of like ploy uh, the mom did where it was like, hey, your father died. Uh, we got to meet, you know, classic, great way to get somebody's attention. And then, you know, you get to see the old guy who's rocking an outfit just like Homelander would. And, Butcher uh, would, you Butcher. Mean? Sorry, Butcher would, sorry. And then, uh, you know, loves using the C word like Butcher does. Um, and th- this kind of thing that, again, like talking about dad issues and tough love, like the Dad points out, like, you wouldn't have been as tough as you are, Butcher, if it wasn't for the horrible things that I did to you. And that kind of goes along the way with how Hormlander was raised as well. So, and then maybe how this uh, kid's going to get raised. So it's very interesting, this kind of, like, showdown with his father to be like, I'm better than you are, even though he has a son is not really there. And then, like... This whole thing of like I beat you to make you better, even though it's you know not not something you should do. And super easy to understand everything he was saying the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> super easy. Right, I, Ralph. I did. I, I love John Noble. I was uh, the so fact excited. that this is the, the fact that this is part of the Fringe universe is exciting. That is very exciting. Uh, it was great seeing him. I feel like it's perfect casting for Carl Urban. Um, I like these scenes. I feel like I need to know a little less about Butcher's backstory, if that yeah. makes any sense. Like, this is the point where I'm like, we, we can stop. We can stop adding family members. I'm good. Like, I'm full up wow. on that. I liked meeting his aunt. I la- they all look like aunts from up here. Um, no, but I like meeting his parents Stop as well. Stop doing that bit. But we don't need cousins. We don't need great nieces and uh, nephews and whatever else. That's good. We've touched on it. Let's move on at this point. You don't want a storyline where we find out that Butcher's great uncle is why he like wears his hair that way? Yeah. <laughs> or something. Yeah. I give you my beard. Yeah. Who's his <laughs> beard ripped it right off, put it on his face. Where'd you get your beard, friend, Pete? Um, you know, it, it was a it was a lot. I had to climb a mountain, and then I met the guy who has the most glorious beard beard in the world, and he trained me in how to grow hair. Wow! Wow! How to grow hair? Yeah. So <laughs> we're saying that. Um, let me uh, the scene at the end with his mom at Jitterbean. I, oh, I didn't Jitterbean. I didn't quite know what to make of that. Like what. Were in you ep- too distracted by Jitterbean to, to really think they were in a coffee shop? Well, I believe that it was a coffee shop. I, I was just like, it felt like something bad was going to happen, and then it yeah. didn't. And then it felt like, well, then what was this? Is it the idea that you can't reconcile with your dad, but you can like make up with your mom or something? I Pointing to the larger mom versus dad issues through this whole show. Yeah, I don't I know. Think- I mean, to your point, there's not 
a lot of resolution in any of the other storylines, purposefully so. So to have, I, I guess that's probably the thing that I was feeling. Sort of there was this side family drama with Butcher that was wrapped up pretty nicely, where his mom was like, no, this was about you, and I wanted you to be able to move on from the memory of your brother Whoa. and your relationship with your father, which I all get. But it's like, I don't. I also don't need to see that on the boys. Like, it's fine. I don't need Butcher to be happy and settled. Especially when, like, clearly... Everything's fucked up at the end of this episode, and they have to go maybe die. I really like the fact that the mom was like, "Listen, uh, yeah, your father was a cunt, so like he is awful, but don't let this man ruin your life now. It's not too late for you to kind of change." And I thought that was an interesting. She was like, "He's gonna die. I wanted to try to get one last meeting. You can get." out from under the shadow of this awful man. And I thought that that was like a cool kind of like pep talk for mom to be like, Hey man, listen, you don't have to be this guy. Yeah, maybe it, it felt very unboys. Like I think, yeah, was the thing that I got from it where I oh, liked well, it. What? Sorry. The, it was a touching moment from a mom that didn't fit an over the top gross show. So. Like he should have been drinking breast milk or something. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like what's let's make it the boys. Well, let's uh, talk about another mommy storyline, uh, specifically Starlight and her mommy who reunite this episode. Should I keep calling it Bobby? Pete? Yeah, like no, that's I'm comfortable hearing you say that word over and over again. <laughs> I am not. Starlight and her mom, they reunite also at Jitterbean, which is not in any related way related to CC Jitters from The Flash, I assume. Uh, mm. But. Uh, they get back together. They get captured by Black Noir. Um, what do you think about this overall storyline with Starlight? Uh, I mean, I liked this. I mean, it felt a little bit like it was sort of just pointing to Huey, um, it, the, the, her whole yeah. thing. But I do think the, the reunion they had in the hallway at Come the end on. of the episode was great. Like Glorious. It really yeah, it really felt like... Their relationship, uh, in in a, a relationship where Starlight has saved him over and over again, the fact that he got a chance this episode to sort of save her was really nice. Um, and in his own way, like his very like, oh, fuck, I saw this handoff. <laughs> uh, was really great, I thought. Yeah. It yeah. Was... I feel like it wasn't much of a Starlight episode. It's just she was moved into place to help. For their relationship. Well, but also with her mom, I think we finally did get to a place where she was able to somewhat reconcile with her mom in a realistic way, just based on yeah. the fact that clearly it wasn't clear the last time we saw the mom at the movie set whether she was being manipulative again, right? Here, yeah. I think it's clear that she's not. She actually really does feel bad. She actually does want to apologize to Starlight. She wants to have a relationship with her. And I like that, and I appreciate that, and I think they're in a better place by the end of the episode. But to your point, the stuff with Huey was so fun, and yeah. all this is the best Huey episode maybe we've had this season because he's been so down in the dumps. So getting him, uh, having the cuck conversation with Lamplighter, being put in that position, uh, sawing off the head, his uh, what the fuck when Lamplighter yeah. sets himself on fire. <laughs> yeah. All that stuff is great. So fun. And even the moment, like you mentioned, with uh, reconciling with Starlight, so subtly done in terms of him being like, well, I came for you without ever yeah. saying it out loud. Yeah. And it was all just done with a nod of yeah. the head. It was very nice. 
So good. Yeah, um, and then the mom was like, "Do you have a hand?" And he was like, "Yeah, come on, let's go." It was, it was really just the the look that Starlight gave him made it all worth it, and it was just such a nice moment in the hallway. And uh, like Huey did go there to save, and he did in a roundabout kind of Huey shitty way. And the the f- fact where he was like sawing through his arm and like so grossed out was such a crazy over the top boys moment. And now, I mean, she's fully out of the seven. Like, so yeah. I don't know what this means for. It starts to me out a little bit going into the last episode because the sort of status quo is dashed, is ruined. So I don't know what. I mean, Starlight and Butcher have technically reconciled, but it feels like they can't all exist. Does she fit on the boys? I think so. I mean, I think she fits in the same way that the female fits on the boys, where she also is a soup. Granted against her will in a very different way from Starlight. But, but Starlight, she, is she going to wear her uniform, be on the boys? Like, no. I don't, no, they don't think wear so. It. Yeah. No, she's on to the next Starlight, phase then. of whatever she is. Maybe. Okay. Um, I don't know. Maybe she's going to grow a big beard. She'd go to the top of the mountain where Pete learned all about it. I, I do think, to yep. your point, though, there's the literal visual representation of smashing the status quo there because they wreck the conference room at Vaught and they break yeah. the conference table. They destroy everything. There is nothing clearer than like whatever this show is, it is moving into the next phase at this point. Yeah. Because also Which, Maeve, all, we didn't talk about her yet. Uh, yeah, but, we got to talk about that. Uh, Maeve has those great scenes with Elena. She tosses a table in the middle of the scene. And ultimately, you know, we'll see what happens with Black Noir. But she steps up in a big way. Like, she is yeah. actively working against the Seven, which is huge. Yeah, Maeve's finally kind of taking a stance and standing up. And unfortunately, it took uh, Elena leaving her uh, for that to happen. But man, that whole part where she flipped the table was so emotional and so like, this is who I am. This is what you're signed up for, like, was like on really, really heartbreaking. And then that Ashley moment where she was like, Ashley, can you once be a human that as yeah. she's crying? Oh, oh my God, so what good. a moment. All can I mention that? Ashley. The only thing I wanted to say about the table flipping moment and Pete, I know you're not going to appreciate this comment at all, but as opposed to a lot of CW shows where they'll have an emotional conversation like this between superheroes, but that's it. Like, it's just they have the emotional conversation and they leave. I love the fact that the boys doesn't forget they're in a superhero universe so that they can heighten it with her flipping the table 10 feet in the air across the room, which is great. I I just I appreciate that they can keep it in that world at the same time as holding on to the emotion. Yeah, it's really impressive. And it's one of those things where, like, it shows the kind of power that you're dealing with and the rawness of it. It's. It's great. Yeah, I think you're, it's a, a smart move to kind of lean into that. And uh, it's great that this this storyline has been sort of bubbling underneath this whole season, and we get a big hit of it here where it feels like Maeve is with with the boys, technically, or at least with Starlight in this moment. Brave Maeve. Brave Maeve. Brave Maeve. Meatless lasagna. Uh, we get to see. Was, uh, Brave Maeve's vegetarian pride pizza, I think they're baking. No, it was uh, lasagna. It oh, was, was it? Be- isn't Becca making it? In the- yeah, Becca's yeah. making the lasagna, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, there you go. Still brave. Whatever it was, whether it's lasagna or pizza, I still applaud its braveness. 
before we uh, get to any individual moments and start to wrap up here, uh, we should talk about Frenchie and the female yes. because they have a big yes. forward step in their relationship as they're watching Victoria Newman. Frenchie, first of all, told not told off by Mallory, but basically like, do not leave this time. Yeah, and as they're on the this. roof, as they're talking, uh, Frenchie finally learns a sign from the female. He learns how to say gun. It's very sweet. Pete, yeah, what do yeah. you think about this one? Uh, this is great. This is all what Frenchie has been wanting. He wants in. He wants her to teach him their language so they can communicate. And this is the starting steps of their relationship. I'm very excited for what can unfold from here once he they're able to communicate. This is this is going to be very exciting because uh, this actor she has to do a lot with her eyes, um, and so it'll be interesting. Uh, to see kind of how this all unfolds and what she's going to say to Frenchie. And uh, I'm very nervously excited for Frenchie, and I'm hoping that they work out. And so do you think this is a uh, a, relation, a sexual relationship or just a friend relationship? Well, I think it, hopefully it can evolve into uh, something more, so hopefully it will be. Because to me, it feels like they're sort of slowly backing away from that some of those missteps that Frenchie had earlier where he was like, we should kiss. Because now it feels like they're just like, sort of like, it's like a, a reaching out from their own places and connecting type of relationship. I agree. Yeah, but it can still form into something else. Of though. course. So I'm not saying it isn't. It's just interesting the way, it's not a traditional, like, I feel like I'm sort of the romantic comedy expert on this podcast. Oh my God. And so I, I feel like it's not a traditional romantic arc the way that it's being played out. Well, good. You know, sometimes it's nice to get away from tradition. I hear you. I've seen so many romantic comedies. Like, no one has seen more than me. Wow. My favorite production of Fiddler on the Roof is one where they completely left out tradition. They, they didn't do the number <laughs> at all. Wow. You can't, you can't not do tradition. That's ridiculous. No, they just skipped it. Nope. They just went yeah. down. They were like, come on, we got to keep this moving. Exactly. It was an electric guitar instead of a fiddle, I believe. <laughs> tradition. Like a guitar. Like Keith Richards on a roof. <laughs> tradition. Uh, all right. Uh, let's uh, any individual moments you guys yes. want to call out. Oh, I yes, can't Pete. believe we haven't talked about this yet. But the blindside Lego version. Come out. That was <laughs> unbelievable in so many ways. Hysterical. Uh, Ryan is a true artist. And the fact that they haven't they didn't recognize it. And we're like, yeah, but can you do any cool stuff was fucking heartbreaking. That was amazing. Yeah. That was really well done. I could watch that for two hours easy. Yeah, I mean, when this this first natural born superhero clearly has a career as a stop motion uh, filmmaker, yeah. he's uh, <laughs> going to be the next uh, Gondry. Oh, very nice. I was going to say Leica, but uh, yeah, there you go. I was gonna- uh, what I actually thought was interesting about this is it makes Becca kind of dumb. In a way, the fact that yeah. he's doing stop motion stuff of the blind side dancing with wolves in terms of endearment. Like, Why is that Stormfront a and shot? Homelander are right. Show him some other movies for kids. What are you, what are you doing? About? Yeah, terms of endearment. Come oh. on, those are classics. Come on, there's nothing wrong with that. He's yeah. a kid. It's fun. Show him Star Wars or something. I don't know. Sure. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Um, he's going to do a lot. He's going to really enjoy the crown when he gets to it. When he's <laughs> laser eyesing his way through the crown. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, go ahead, Justin. I was going to say, um, we got some great lessons here about um, when an appropriate time to watch uh, porn is. Yeah, you can't watch porn while the sun's out. Great line. It's not a bad life rule. 
Mm-hmm. What about when there's like a cloud that passes over the sun? Does that count? Can oh, you quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. A lot of times I'm sitting at home praying for some uh, cloud cover. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, the, uh, I really like the moment at the church of collective party at Alistair's birthday party. First of all, super dorky across the board, which is great. Uh, but a trade bringing the deep, uh, a goldfish and yeah. she's Crawford's reaction of like, oh, he knows my name. Very funny. Yeah. But the hands down best deep thing is when everybody's heads start exploding oh, at the end of the episode yeah. and it cuts to him and he's checking to make sure his head is still there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it like it, it's played as a joke and it's a great fucking joke, but also it, it points to all the underlying themes. Like it's the same thing. Like Lamplater killed himself because he lost his spot. Mm-hmm. And the deep's the same way. That moment is him being like, I'm important enough to be killed right now. And he's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not at all related to what's happening. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah, the, just great. The, the deep also, the party where it's like, uh, Archer, yeah, love that guy. So amazing. Went, oh, no, you hate him. Okay, yeah, yeah, he was kind of a dick. Like, just that kind of quick turn of like, uh, uh, and then the news clips that they showed of Archer, that was Really well done. Again, Justin, I know you love a tight package, and that was a really sweet little package that they set up for that. Yep. Please uh, don't definitely. ever use the phrase sweet little package again, Pete. Yeah. Well, Justin likes it, so I'm just trying that to idea. play <laughs> on his side of the court. It's weird the things that you identify with and really want to say a lot. It's like when someone's like, mommy, mommy, mommy. <laughs> uh, I also, do want to call it. Oh, okay. All I was going to say was I did want to call out uh, while we're talking about like great acting moments, Carl Urban in the Vogelbaum scene, the stuff that he does there is amazing. The way that he turns just that his eyes almost flip the emotion from when he's saying, I'm going to kill your entire family to Uh, he flicks and sees the woman, the daughter, I guess, coming in and just softens down. Drinks the tea, and as oh, he's drinking the tea, 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 hardens the up again. The stare that he yeah. gets when he's uh, drinking great. the tea. All with his eyes. Amazing. Yeah. Well, that whole thing, like, when he's sliding the chair across when he's trying to talk, oh, such a great power move. And the fun bit of, like, who's at the front gate and ways to, like, okay, tell tell him that Grace is here. Tell him fucking Billy Butcher. You know, like, it was a fun, like, getting in the kind of door. And then how Butcher was like, I'll kill your entire family today. Or you can help me. Yeah. Great. Uh, Before we wrap up here, though, we should talk about the final scene in Congress with everybody's heads exploding. Uh, What do you think is going on here? Before we get to that, I just want to say Mother's Milk. uh, You know, we didn't get to talk about him a lot. Had some fun moments. Um, and then also rocking that uh, sweet Yankees shirt before it was the New York Giants. Now it's the Yankees in camo. I love it. I'm so happy with whoever's doing his wardrobe. I think it's fantastic. Good stuff. Nice. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about that last moment then. What's going on here? People's heads start exploding. It's anarchy. Uh, I did love Homelander and watching his reactions during this from – almost caged fear when Volgavalm comes in, because that has to be one of the only people he's actually afraid of in the world. And then when everybody's exploding, he's not scared. He also doesn't do anything, but he's clearly looking around and it's more interest rather than anything else. But what do you take away from the scene? What's going on and what's going to happen next? Yeah, very much like 
they seem like they're not behind it. And they're very much like, huh, this is weird. It, it Like where if you're like all set up to watch your favorite show or whatever, and then it's like not on. You're like, huh, what's right. going on here? Um, so I, I don't know, like obviously you're, a big move. Wait, for, first off, you're way too casual right now for heads exploding in the, a courtroom. You're not, um, what's going on here? My favorite TV show should be playing. You're like, holy shit, there's fucking heads exploding. But they well, don't they, seem scared that their heads are going to explode. Right. And they lived through the whole granny sweet tea incident, as we all did as a society. So they've kind of moved on from there. This is not as big as that. Batman v Superman, anybody? I got you. I got you. But I mean, it's obviously covering up um, for uh, Vought. So I don't know who's, who's the new factor faction here that would be doing that. Right. Whoever it is, it needs to be the same person or persons that did it to Rainer, right? Like, yeah. that's the yeah. connection there. So it's it's tough to parse because all we saw, I think, in the Rainer scene was the boys. We didn't see anybody else there. And there's enough people in the courtroom that it really could be anybody. But to your point, it doesn't seem to be Homelander. It doesn't seem to be Stormfront unless they have some powers that we haven't heard about. Um, yeah. But something else is going on there. And it definitely does tie back to Vought because it seems to be a pretty clear cover-up. Though at the same yeah. time, it's a very public cover-up. Like, it's not too hard to connect the dots between all of your witnesses and several Congress people exploded the exact moment they're going to try to shut down Vought. And, yeah. and what was great was we thought the T moment was so badass with Butcher, like, after Huey's like, what the fuck are we going to do now? The look of rage on Butcher's face is amazing. Absolutely yeah. amazing. Well, I think it's him probably going back to plan A in his mind, right? Like he went to Mallory. He's like, my plan is we uh, pull out some shit on the soup, find the next biggest soup, kill that soup. We're done. Yeah. So I think yeah. he's like, well, Vought did this. Back to plan A. Here we go. We're just going to blow him up. Yeah, a very reckless version of Plan A, I would yeah. imagine. Yeah. So oh, there man. you go. Uh, before we wrap up here, who is best boy in the episode? Pete, who's your best boy? Ooh, Black Noir, this is right? Tough. I mean, Mother, obviously, Mother's Milk uh, Wardrobe. Yeah, but I got to say, like, I got to give it to Huey. Uh, he really endured mm-hmm. a lot to have to sit there with another person watching porn. It's very uncomfortable. Um, I, I just think that, like, the kind of what he's willing to do for the team and for Starlight and what's right is really just glorious. And um, he was really at it. We had a lot of amazing Huey moments in this app, and he was killing it. Yeah, I've got to give it up for Huey as well. Um, I know uh, Pete just said that answer, but I do think that um, this was the the perfect Huey episode. Like, he got to bumble through a hugely stressful situation and somehow come out on top yep. by just being himself. Um, and the fact that he got to emerge from this sort of season-long, like, I don't know how to move forward, and just, like, moping about. Instead, he just got active and did did the thing. And it ended up working out perfectly for him. Yeah. I got to give it up for the cuck this episode. Oh, I think he just did a on, great job. It's an it's a horrible situation to be put into. And that he came through it's it with Maeve. shining I'm going to say Maeve is your answer. 
No, my actual answer is Butcher. Based, uh, even though I didn't love the family stuff, I think it was well done, but it wasn't my favorite. That teacup scene alone uh-huh. was phenomenal. Yeah. In a episode filled with outrageously bloody scenes, uh, I did mention this earlier, but when the heads are exploding, the fact that Colby Biddy Fee, uh, Ashley, gets splashed twice with blood yeah. is very funny and horrifying in the middle there. But that teacup scene is so good. I was so impressed with what Carl Urban did there. Uh, that wins the episode for me. He is whatever the opposite of a cuck is. I guess he's uh, the homelander fucking the wife. So there you go. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And uh, got to give it up for the director of Deep Does It in the Blowhole. <laughs> One of my it was favorite Martin films. Scorsese, right? Yeah, I believe so. <laughs> All right. If you like to support this podcast and other podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We'll chat about the boys with you. Here at number four, the boys on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show at, uh, excuse me, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. And if you do see any bad boys, please stay away from them. Yeah. Smart. Because they're, they're only coming, they're not coming for all of us, right? Right, Alex? Uh, right? Uh, I don't. Uh, oh, mounds don't. Mounds don't. Finish this. Uh, oh, they well. don't. <laughs>